Okay, so um, thanks for joining us today. We're really excited to talk about yourself and the context leaf. So yeah, I mean, do you want to get, maybe just kick off and give it a bit of an introduction to yourself and, and how you got here? Yeah, um, so I, my name is Melissa Hui. I am the founder of Context Leaf, which is a people and culture consultancy here in San Francisco. Um, so my background is I've been in the tech sector for uh, over 14 or 15 years now. Um, I've worked with a lot of the big companies like Google, uh, Microsoft, but I also had the opportunity of working with some really great startups, um, a lot of VC-backed startups here. Um, my career has been largely in software and consulting. Um, I have a design background, well, I have a social science and anthropology background, but uh, spent a lot of my years as a practicing designer. So now I'm looking at how do we bring design to organizations? How do we bring design to the concept of leadership and improving it? And the work that we do at Contact Sleep is uh, we sort of focus in three areas. First one is obviously innovation and design. Um, how do we teach companies and leaders to embrace a lot of the creative mindsets that come with bringing design into the organization? The same one's employee experience. So we think about the end-to-end -end journey of everyone who steps through your company's um experience or or through the the walls that you have in your buildings and your offices and then the last part is uh very near and dear to my heart which is um focused on people development so we do everything from leadership coaching and advisory all the way down to um helping enable teams from a purely like a learning experience so how do we mm. become the best versions of ourselves that we can be um so it's interesting that you say that you, that you come from a uh, design background, you know, um, and we actually have quite a seen quite a, a big movement from people in the design and even engineering firm going focusing on culture. Why do you think that is? I mean, how do you think it was done in the past and what maybe why do you think it wasn't working? Yeah, I, I think about this a lot, <laughs> Gary. <laughs> um, for me, I think that uh, business has changed tremendously in the past you know, 20 years, even in the past 10 years, uh, we've seen the introduction of a lot of technologies, um, the concept of like agile ways of working and, and even sort of like the onset of transforming businesses from a digital perspective. So we've seen the introduction of a lot of digitally native talent um, who wants to work differently, who think differently about the products, services, and offerings uh, that they deliver to customers. And so with that, there's this very fundamental shift of um, the ways that they work, the things that they produce are not fundamentally aligned with the company and how it operates. And so now there's this huge shift of like, okay, something's, something's a little asymmetrical here. How do we bring it back into alignment? And so that's why we're seeing um, an opportunity as designers to apply this very creative, very empathetic, but also very agile way of thinking Mm. to help companies move forward into the 21st century. Wow. It's, almost like, it's almost like companies are building organizations in the same way that they were building the products. I guess. Yes. You know, taking a design approach, you're taking an agile approach. Um, and because it, it's worked so well with developing things that are, that are like developing in the future of work, it almost makes sense to develop people in that way, I guess, as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, 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 and I mean, when it comes to culture, right, do you, I mean, who do you think should be taking responsibility of that in the company? That's a really good question. Uh, I think to be successful, it has to come from the top. Mm. Um, there needs to be that 
leadership or the executive support for this, meaning not just, oh, we're going to do culture, but we're actually going to put resources to it and actually invest in culture and leadership. Um, so it certainly comes from the top, but I think there's also, um, more, when you move more towards like middle management or senior management, um, I think there's a huge responsibility in the middle too yeah. for shifting the narrative around that because these are the individuals who are taking all these sort of nebulous concepts like strategic initiatives or um, big picture visionary thinking and distilling it into the actual tangible day-to-day -day experience of, hey, I work at company Z. Um, and so they really set the cadence for that. And I think that layer of leadership really needs to think about not just competency as a leader, like, oh, I'm, I'm great at marketing, I'm great at you know, sales, IT, but like being really competent in terms of fostering the right culture and the right mindsets. So I think yeah. it starts there, but it can also be bottom up. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. I mean, there's a challenge where you've obviously, it's going to be driven from the top down, but at the same time, you know, it's going to be brought in from the bottom up. And in terms of roles, I mean, besides obviously the leadership, who do you think should be like, who's, who's a good de delegation, you know, to, on, on the second tier to manage it? Do you think it should be on the offside or the HR side or the, the marketing side? I'll tell you why we, I'll tell you, sorry, sorry, I'll tell you why we asked that question. You know, obviously a big challenge for us at High Five is that um, a lot of companies want to engage and start using the tool. But then the challenge is, is that what we find is that um, this gets led from the top, you know, from the exec level, um, because they see it as a, as a way to measure culture. But then what happens is it very quickly gets given to HR or administration. And to be honest and quite transparent, it, it usually fails there. You know? and, and the question we ask ourselves is, how do you take this forward and drive it? How do you take this people data and this culture data? And who should be responsible for using it on a day-to-day? In, in my world, what I see is, I think traditionally, or at least in the past few years, that initiative has been given to HR. Yeah. Um, because it's sort of the logical home. It's, yeah. you know, individuals responsible for that. But what I'm seeing as being perhaps a more successful um, approach is HR as an internal consultancy or advisory, or they play sort of this like informal role of like advising a lot of different business units yeah. and then being the, the sort of layer of consistency across all of those areas. Um, so I do think it, it does sort of reach a point where they have to break down the silos of um, everyone sort of one-to-one -to, -one to HR and going like to them and instead having this sort of continuous conversation across all the different business groups. Um, uh, so I think, it, I think it is, yes, HR can own it, um, but I think there's a very strong component of, okay, how do we operationalize what HR knows and the relationship that HR has to different parts of the business? And I think that's where we have to start seeing um, some of these more ops-focused individuals who are actually thinking about programs and scaling and how do we do all of this. Yeah. And, and, and in, your, in your view, do you see that uh, culture drives performance? Or performance drives culture or maybe even a better question is do you um what do you think is more important culture or performance i think culture is more important yeah. and i don't think i'm biased in that and I'll, I'll say why um i think performance as a concept is very limited and very narrow 
um, it's defined by numbers and uh, it doesn't look at sort of like the network effect of right. who we are, why we do what we do. Culture sets the cadence for everything. It is like the pace, the pacer car for everything in the exactly, company. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think culture is more important. Performance follows when you have great culture and I think it has a maximizer effect. Um, great culture has a maximizing effect on great performance. It's not vice versa. Oh, and I can almost see a visual right now. It's if, if this thing greater than, but, um, and in, and in, um, and in terms of the, I've just got a few more questions here. Where do you think companies go wrong with retaining culture? There's a lot of different areas. When it comes to scaling, you know? Yeah. I think in terms of scaling, it's, um, companies get prescriptive about culture. Um, they say like, we are this and we are that. Uh, so this is very aspirational. Um, they sort of pick the adjectives that they love. They pick the, um, the values and the words that they think are really cool, but they don't actually look to embody that in any way, or they don't actually look at where they already have been successful. So they don't look at their, uh, cultural assets. Like what are we great at? What are we already being very effective at? And what do people actually love about working here? Um, there's really not that sort of two way dialogue. It's a very like, peer down and be like, oh, I think we're like this, or I think we're gonna be like these things. Um, so I think that's one, they're, they're too prescriptive. Um, I think another piece is that they, they don't have a framework for continuous conversation or feedback from their employees. Um, again, sort of that prescriptive or top down. Um, but I think what they can do is, is start to put in uh, programs or tools or processes that actually facilitate really great conversations with their talent. So it's a little bit like having a constant pulse yeah. on the organization. What's yeah. the vibe, what's the energy? Um, so I think that's the other part that they're really missing out on is they don't actually have a, an engine for this. They don't have a mechanism for this. So, so I assume what you mean that they need the ongoing data and feedback, but at the same time, they need to be transparent and open enough to change, I guess, and not being so um, fixated on, on what they think is the culture. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really, really insightful. Um, and then, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, to just to finish off, just a final few questions. I mean, how do you spend your day on average? I mean, you're now in a, I guess it's a, it's a new venture. Um, I guess you guys are a remote team, is that right? Yes. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, how do you spend your day on average and, and just stay productive, I guess, with being remote? Um, there's a lot of very interesting things that uh, I've picked up for myself personally um, that I've shared with people I work with. And a lot of that is one, the normal, the philosophy of just like when you're in an in environment that inspires you or that you're comfortable, um, you are naturally going to be in the most relaxed state of mind. So therefore you're going to produce significantly better work. Yeah. Um, so that's just one, the mindset is there. Um, for me, staying focused and staying productive in this work um, is having clarity. And there's a lot of different like macro views of how to get clarity. Um, so I apply, I actually use design methods to help me figure out where I need to go and how to solve problems I need to solve. Yeah. Um, but then there's the, wait, wait, <laughs> yeah, there's say like, that again? say that again, divine methods. Yeah. So I, all right. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, design methods. Oh, design. So I, oh. actually, I actually apply design to, um, to some of my business problems and actually work through 
the methods, but that there's also divine methods because sometimes as your founder, you really have to just like pray and make it through the next month. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, and then there's like more micro things. So we, I recently came across a concept of using design sprints yeah. in my work day. So it's a little bit like the Pomodoro method, but yeah. um, someone had introduced me to ultra working and that helps me get clarity in terms of um, you design your day in cycles yeah. and you get very clear about your energy level, your morale, um, your focus, and then you just run through the cycles. And I was like, oh. oh is that based on, um, is that based on the, the Jake Knapp book, The Make Time? I, it may be. There's, there's like a lot of different points yeah. of origin for it. Brilliant, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, I've, uh, I read it last year and it's, I've kind of, I've managed to stick to it for the last year, but I do need a refresher. But it's all about reflecting and seeing what works and what drops and picks up your energy levels and make the most of that, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's really, and, and on that note, I mean, is there anything you're reading or listening to that's inspiring you lately? I really, I, I think a lot of individuals in this space will agree that Brene Brown is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I really like things by Adam Grant as well. Uh, yeah. He does a lot of the, the really great work in organizational. Um, there was a very short-lived um, podcast by the New York Times. I think they had like six episodes um, called Change Agent. And okay. uh, they talk about people who solved really challenging things in one area and how they've applied techniques or methods to other areas um, or industries that are completely different. So um, I think those three are sort of my my base uh, psychological diet, if you will. <laughs> and, and any tools and, and software you're using just to keep yourself productive? Yeah, uh, I really love, um, I love Trello. Uh, it's yeah. very simple. Um, I use just a good old notebook and, and a pen a lot. Mm. Um, and then I recently came across um, a tool called monday.com. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of teams use that. Yeah, so I I use it for um, personal and professional project planning because it's so visual, mm. um, and I actually use it to, um, opt just sort of do time tracking on myself because they have a lot of really great features built in. Yeah, it's really good. We actually plan our our sprints around that as well. Just he helps yeah. us. No, we don't. Um, just to help forecast, we do monthly sprints. So it's three weeks, and then. It helps us just divvy up the time just to make sure we're not over underscoping, you know. It kind of helps us to stay agile enough as well so we can drag things around. Yeah. So, man, oh, it was really amazing having uh, spending time with you today um, all day from San Francisco. So, yeah, thanks a lot for your time and uh, um, give us a high five. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Scary>. <laughs>